Hi, everyone. It's a great privilege for me to be here with you tonight. And quite frankly, great encouragement, too, to see so many young people here in church. Uh, remember the last time I saw this many college people at the same place? I suppose it was uh, at a Badger game or, or maybe in a bar. It's great to see you all here tonight. Grace and peace are yours from our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're continuing our theme of looking at the heart of Jesus. And tonight I'd like to focus with you on Jesus' heart of love. What I have here is a replica of a nail that was used in crucifixions. So this is probably very, very similar to the nail that was used on Jesus. About six inches long, made of iron, and it's not sharp at the end. And we're told that those nails that held Jesus on that cross, that were nailed into Jesus, his feet and his hands, historians with help of medical research say that they were likely not nailed here, I was taught as a little boy, because if a nail was there, hung on a cross, it would not hold body weight. So they were, they were nailed somewhere be, below the wrist and, and be, below the wrist near the forearm, between the forearm and the wrist. But let's be real. It, it wasn't the, as the saying goes, right? It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was, it was his love. Jesus' heart of love is our focus tonight. And we take that from Mark chapter 16, which you heard Isaac Reed. And the focus of Mark 16 is on the suffering of Jesus. And so tonight, let's talk about how Jesus' heart of love leads to his suffering and it leads to our salvation. Jesus' heart of love leads to his suffering. You know, it's a wonder that Jesus even made it to the cross alive. Really, before his crucifixion, Pilate ordered that Jesus would be flogged. And a Roman flogging was no picnic. It's one of those things that you would say, I would not wish that even on my worst enemy. They were brutal, inhumane, cruel, and unusual punishment. And that flogging of Jesus took most of his life out of him. Likely four Roman soldiers carried it out. And then when they were done, they took Jesus back to the, the praetorium or the, the palace of the governor, of, of Pontius Pilate. And there these four soldiers likely met up with the rest of the soldiers. We're told in the Bible that they met up with the, the cohort of soldiers or a battalion of soldiers. Again, historians tell us that a cohort of soldiers, of Roman soldiers, was, was a, a smaller group, about 10% of the bigger group, which is a legion, 6,000 soldiers. So in this palace around Jesus, after the, after the flogging, there could have been up to 600 soldiers in there. And Jesus, in there, Jesus' suffering continued 
and the mocking really began. These soldiers knew that Jesus had claimed to be a king. And so when they saw Jesus, this man who claimed to be a king, they didn't see a king, they saw a man who claimed to be a king. And, and I guess Jesus then became cheap entertainment. If you can picture that scene, probably a few ringleaders and then the rest laughing it up, egging them on. And what they do? The Bible tells us they gave Jesus a scarlet robe, kind of a mock color of royalty. And then they had that crown of thorns, right? They didn't, they didn't place it on his head. They placed it into his head. So you can picture that, the blood starting to, to drip down. Then they, what they do? They gave him a, a staff, a wooden staff. I don't know how thick it was. I think of maybe like a baseball bat, maybe not quite that thick, maybe towards the handle that thick. Remember that. And then what else? They, um, well, he's a king. So, so they sarcastically shouted, Hail, king! Right? And they got down on their knees and they, they bowed down before him. Not to honor him, to dishonor him, humiliate him. And then we're told they took that staff back out of his hand. They gave him the staff because it was to represent a scepter, which is what a king would have. I don't know where they got the staff. I think like a walking cane or something that happened to be there. So they took it back away from Jesus, and the Bible says that they, they, they took it and they hit him with it on the head. And the Greek says that they hit him again and again and again. And then if, if that wasn't all enough, then to add further insult, they spit in his face. And again, from the Greek, they spit in his face again and again and again. You know, we often talk about how Jesus died for our sins, right? For sure. Folks, he did more than die. He suffered. He suffered, and it was Jesus' heart of love that leads to his suffering. So we like to ask why questions about God. Have you been there before in your life? Why, God? Why, why did this happen? Why, why, did you, why did you let this happen? Or why did you not stop this from happening, God? Have you been there? We'd like to ask those questions. Here, here's, a, here's a why question I would like to pose tonight. Jesus, why did you let him do it? Why did, why did you take that? Why did you let them do it? If I was there, and now I have, I have, um, I have 2,000 years of history to kind of protect me, but if, if, if I, if, as I look back on that scene, what's running through my head, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Jesus, let them have it. And that's my self-righteous self. Jesus, let them have it, because I don't like to see what they're doing to you. And I know, I know you can let them have it, so and maybe, maybe you're with me on that. Maybe, maybe I'd be shouting it, Jesus, let them have it. But we know that that's not the way of Jesus. Right? Or is it? So when we think about Jesus and remember, inside Jesus is beating his heart of love. And so what is he doing with that heart of love? He's, he's letting them have it. These soldiers that are, 
that are bringing all this suffering on Jesus, right? He's suffering. The suffering of Jesus is from them. But that heart of love, right? The suffering of Jesus is, is for them. Those deplorable Roman soldiers, Jesus lets them have it. He lets them have his heart as he suffers. What about you and I? Are we, are we any better than those Roman soldiers? I'd like to make the case that we're worse than those Roman soldiers. And here's why. Remember when Jesus is on the cross, what does he say? Father, Father, forgive them. Them, the Roman soldiers, among others, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. They really didn't know who was on that cross. But you and I know. We know who Jesus is. And, and we know what Jesus has done. And, and still, what do we do? We sin and sin and sin. And Satan, Satan knows that too, doesn't he? The Bible, well, we know that Satan is, is, is our accuser, right? The Bible labels Satan as an accuser. And so what does Satan do? Maybe, maybe Satan has a conversation with God and, and Satan says about you and me, he says, God, you need to let them have it. Look at, look at how they live. They sin again and again and again. In your Ten Commandments, they make a mockery of those. They don't live lives that bring you honor. God, you need to let them have it. Something else we know about Satan is the Bible says that Satan is, is a liar, the father of lies, right? He, but in this case, maybe, maybe in this case, we have to admit he's, he's speaking the truth about us. He tells God that that's what we deserve. Let them have it, God. I don't like to hear that. I know it's truth, uh, true, and sometimes the truth hurts. But I love God's answer in this, in this conversation, if it, if it were to go down that way. God's answer would be, step aside, Satan. Stand back. Because Jesus, my son, suffered for them. He bled for them. And he died for them. So Satan, my son's going to let them have it too. He's going to let them have his heart of, of love. Essentially, let them have it in this context means, son, take their place. Let them have it. Let them have your love and take their place on that cross. Paul writes in Romans, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For us can be translated in our place. Brings a smile to our face, doesn't it? Christ died in our place. That's his heart of love, suffering in our place. Suffering and dying. And, and so that's verse 8. And if we look at Romans 5, verses 6 and 7, we back up a little bit. Paul, Paul says this. He makes this point. There are people in this world that will and have died for good people. They'll, they'll lay down their life for good people. 
And, and then what does it say? What, what's that next word? There are people that will die for good people. We're not good people, are we? In God's, by God's standards, are we good people? No. Maybe by the world's standards, you're probably good people, but, but by God's standards. So Paul says, there are people in the world who will die for good people. And then, and then that next word is but. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so Jesus is up on that cross with his, his heart of love dying for us. And you know what God did, right? While Jesus was up on that cross, he let him have it. God let him have it. And Jesus took it because Jesus has a heart of love and Jesus was there to suffer in our place. Part two, halfway home. Jesus' heart of love leads to our salvation. It wasn't just the Romans who were there right, at Jesus' crucifixion. The Jews too. And so the Jewish leaders were there. And you heard from Mark chapter 15. Did you catch what some of those Jewish leaders said as they, as they went to the cross and saw Jesus hanging on the cross? Look at him. He saved others, but he can't save himself. See, they had, they had seen Jesus save others. They had seen Jesus save people from... Um, all kinds of sickness and disease, leprosy. They had seen Jesus save people from blindness. They had seen Jesus save people who were paralyzed. They had seen Jesus save people who had, who had died. And so, they had, they had what they said, he saved others. So they had seen that, but, but what they didn't what they didn't do and recognize is who Jesus is. They didn't, they didn't see the truth. They saw what he did, but they didn't really see the truth. They didn't see Jesus, who he is, the Son of God, their Savior. They didn't see the truth, but, but they spoke the truth, didn't they? They spoke the truth. He saved others, but he can't save himself. That's true. See, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before, he had, a, he had a talk with his father because he was troubled, and that's what we do. Right, guys? When we're troubled, we go to our father, go to our heavenly father in prayer. We ask for help. And so he prayed, Father, if, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And the father's answer was, was no, you, you can't save yourself, son. You can't save the world and save yourself. So they were right. He saved others, but he can't save himself. There was a lot of truth in what they said. The truth is Jesus doesn't want to save himself because he has a heart of love for you and for every sinner who's ever lived. So Jesus went to the cross to save others. Psalm 85, 7. Show us your unfailing love Lord, show us where do we see the love of the Lord? Most clearly, the cross. We see Jesus suffering, but we're not up there. 
It's not us. That's the unfailing love of the Lord that we see. So that's a prayer, isn't it? That's a prayer. Show us your unfailing love, Lord. So if that's your prayer, the cross is the answer to that prayer. Love is the foundation of, of God's rescue plan. Love is the foundation of the rescue plan to save sinners. It's about love. The Father's love and the Son's love. You think about the Father's love. What did Jesus say about the Father's love? God so loved the world. That's a love that is unfailing, and it's equally unexplainable. How do you explain God's love for you? I mean, I mean really, how, how, how do we explain that? There's a lot of things that we, that, that we, that we can't exp- understand, right? We say we can't understand why things happen. But there's reasons for why bad things happen. We live in a sinful world. We're sinners in a sinful world. What we have a really hard time understanding is God's love. Especially when we look at who he loves. We look at ourselves and we look at the people around us. God loves us all. Unfailing and, and unexplainable. We ask more why questions. But, but when, we, when we ask why, why God, we don't look, we don't look anywhere but God. God loves us because, because of, of who he is. Right? The Bible says God is love. He doesn't have to love. Just because he is love doesn't mean he chooses to love us. Something in him. And then the love of the son. What wondrous love is this? The love of the son beats in his heart. His heart of love. Wondrous love, right? It's not the nails that are holding Jesus to the cross. It's that love. And love is our, our salvation, right? The heart of love leads to our salvation, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's love. See, we have a a broken relationship with God because of sin. The relationship that we have with God is, is broken. It's busted. It needs fixing. And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus fixed that broken relationship. The Bible uses the word reconcile. Right? We are now reconciled to God because of Jesus. That's what Peter's getting at, to bring you to God. Fix that broken relationship through the heart of Jesus' love. And so because of that, we have salvation. And, and because of what Jesus did, suffered, brings us to God, God forgives us again and again and again. Jesus' heart of love leads to suffering and salvation. When I, when I think about those two words, suffering and salvation, apply them to Jesus, suffering, salvation. I, I think about what we learned in the catechism. Jesus' suffering, the steps of his humiliation, remember? Salvation, the steps of Jesus' Exaltation, humiliation, exaltation, suffering, salvation. To put it another way, first the cross, then the crown. No pain, no gain. You've all heard that before. As we think about our own lives, suffering, salvation, first the cross, then the crown. No pain, no gain. 
Spiritually speaking, that's right on the money. The Bible says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Hardships. Suffering. And then salvation. Suffering, then salvation. Now that does not mean our lives are going to be nothing but suffering, right? We know that that's not true because God is, God is a good God. But we will suffer. We do suffer. Some of you are suffering right now. But the suffering is not going to last. First the cross, then the crown. Suffering, then salvation. And when you suffer, when we suffer, we know two things. We know that Jesus is with us. That heart of love that suffered for us suffers with us. What a difference that makes. Everyone suffers in the world. You suffer with Jesus or without him. What a difference it makes to have the heart of Jesus with us. And you know how that heart of Jesus is with you as you suffer? Through the word. And know this, in all things, all things God works for good. Suffering, salvation. Jesus suffered. Look at the good that came out of that suffering. The good that came out of Jesus' suffering is salvation for you and for me and the, the world of believers. For God, it's whatever it takes for salvation. Jesus' suffering, your suffering, it's all part of God's perfect plan to bring you to salvation. First the cross, then the crown. So we think tonight of Jesus' heart of love. This heart of love of Jesus led to his suffering, a suffering that we can only, let me, let me say that again, Jesus' suffering, a suffering that we can't even imagine. And Jesus' heart of love leads to our salvation, a salvation we can only imagine. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you did for us. You not only died in our place, you suffered in our place. And Lord, we know that you suffered because of us, and that, that puts shame in our hearts. But Lord, we also know that uh, because of you and your heart of love, we have salvation. And that, that covers up that shame, Lord, and it puts, it puts peace and joy and comfort in our hearts. So we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for your your suffering and your salvation, your heart of love, and we ask that you would continue to give us that, that peace and joy and comfort to cover up our shame. Amen.